Hello, and welcome to Building Sustainability Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Hart, aka Jeffrey the Natural Builder. Building Sustainability consists of conversations with designers, builders, makers, dreamers, and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello, and welcome to episode 43. This week, we are back talking to Wibbs Colson again. And you might remember Wibbs from episode 26, uh, when we were talking about movement. Um, and we touched on the topic of breathing. Uh, and this was something I was keen to return to. So this episode is that. Uh, a couple of little points to start with. The ASBP finals happened on Thursday. And uh, I wanted to say a massive congratulations to the Architects Climate Action Network, ACAN, and Retrofit Action for Tomorrow, Raft. Uh, they both took joint honours in the competition. Um, and it was so, so great to be a finalist and so great that this little podcast got some recognition. Um, when I looked at the finalists, ACAN and Raft were the ones that I would have voted for. So it feels good that they won. And they were very much uh, in a a different league, I felt, than uh, than this podcast. I also received an email. Well, I've been receiving a lot of emails recently. Um, and it's really, really great to hear uh, from you all. But I had one that said that uh, they hoped that I got paid well for the Clayworks episode. Uh, and so I just wanted to say that while, yes, I am trying to make this podcast financially sustainable with advertising, uh, my promise to you is that if something is an advert i will tell you uh so i'm not gonna get into this influencer model of paid episodes and the like um i get quite a lot of emails from businesses suggesting that their ceo might be uh, a guest on the podcast and i have to wheedle out those that want to contribute to the conversation on sustainability and those that are just looking for free advertising and so that's quite a common thing for me to do. Um, and I think that Clayworks are doing really excellent work. Um, I think they're really pushing the testing and certifying of clay, which other people aren't doing. And I think they're elevating clay to a to a higher level. And because of this, I think they're best placed to talk specifics of why clay is beneficial for us, because they have the data. Anyway, I just wanted to stress the integrity of this podcast is really important to me. Um, and so if I'm talking about a thing, it's because I'm interested or because I think it's important, not because I'm being paid. OK, so this episode, uh, it's another one of the series that is really looking at sustainability of the self, uh, looking after the people who are, are trying to affect change in the world of uh, the built environment. Um, so at the beginning of this year, 2021, I was suffering quite badly with anxiety, uh, the sort of creeping sort that sits on your chest from the moment you wake up. And I was vaguely aware of the role of breath in aiding anxiety. So I drafted in Wibs to tell me more. Uh, we begin by talking about how our bodies have changed with events such as the agricultural revolution and what that's done to our ability to breathe. Uh, there's some talk about the chemistry of breathing. We go on to talk about how to change our breathing 
how that's helping athletes and people with health issues um, like high blood pressure or anxiety in my case. And we end by talking about Wibbs' new sporting endeavour, which is taking his breath work to, I would say, the extremes. As you'll probably remember from the last time Wibbs was on, there is some adult language in this episode. I'm pretty sure Wibbs hits all of the major food groups of swears, so um, be warned. And uh, there is also a slightly obscure reference by me about teaching snowboarding uh, that probably no one will understand. Uh, Wibbs and I met as snowboard instructors in Canada, so it was relevant to uh, to our conversation. Uh, just might not make sense to your listening. Um, so I am back at the end to talk about the work I've been doing with my own breath uh, and the results. And a special treat for you, Mike Hill, who wrote and performed the theme music for Building Sustainability, will be playing out with his new tune. Um, and it's all about breathing. Um, okay, enjoy Wibs Coulson. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tell me about tell me about why breathing is important. It's kind of important because we'll die without it. Mm. So, <laughs> basically, what first things first, I'm going to chuck it out there that I think that you and anyone who listens to this should go and read a book called Breath by James Nestor. For me, it's the best book of last year. Um, a lot of the stuff I kind of new but then like there was loads of um cool references and stuff to all that stuff which i maybe didn't really know the absolute sort of papers to and stuff like that really really worth an amazing it's such a good book and i've listened to it on audiobook like five times four and a half five times through but in that and this is where i want to kind of go as a like society and as a human race we have become awful breathers like literally the worst breathers on the planet we are hands down the worst 
like breeding mammals and animals. And what about pugs? Uh, probably, probably six one half dozen. The other, in all fairness, on that one. Okay, um, and some bulldogs right. tied with pugs. Oh, exactly. They're, they're Watch a pug awful. breed. Listen to a pug breed. You're as shit as that, basically. Um, so essentially, um, due to it, kind of goes back about ten thousand years to the kind of uh, agricultural revolution. So when we started actually really, really getting into like farming grains um and the essentially poor diet that we got from eating grains of like quite um processed so obviously we we took the husks off we ground it down we made flour we did all that stuff all of this stuff began to change how we chewed and how we um how we ate and obviously, this is not on camera, so you know you can see me, but the people who listen can't. But essentially, our jaw should be like quite forward. We should have quite bro- we should have quite broad faces as like Homo sapiens. But okay, we are becoming more and more like slack jawed, essentially. So our jaws are actually re- recessing backwards, yeah, in towards our skull. Now the problem with this is it then narrows our airway because the only thing that we can really do is the only thing that can the only space we've got to move into is our airway so this then narrows our airway making breathing mm-hmm. even harder now again it started about ten thousand years ago but it was kind of around the 300 year mark that things really started going belly up and then because of that and then obviously we've been processing food more and more we've been um industrializing societies more and more um so would it have been that like previously food would have needed more of a a chew exactly so so ripping a deer leg yeah basically or even if you're eating like vegetables but you're probably you know you're eating like raw food and right so the the, one of the reasons that um because actually i need i'm go and read the book because you'll get exactly the the right numbers and stuff but you can still even up to the age of like 70 or something you can still affect the the growth of bone in your face which is unlike the bone anywhere else so once bone in your like leg or arm finishes growing it stops growing you can't grow it anymore but in your face you actually can and that's there's all these techniques and stuff which these people are coming out with mewing is one and there's another orthodontic orthodontic bloke not not mooing mewing so uh, and then it's so more like a cat than a cow yes exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 and there's other things you can use and, and basically uh yeah there's all sorts of bits and pieces you can do for that um now that as i say kind of coming through to industrial revolution stuff and then you know the whatever you'd call the revolution we're on now kind of computers and you know sitting at desks and all that kind of stuff we've we've moved so far away from the ability to move efficiently that now the smallest amount of movement makes us out of breath and we start to mouth breathe so our mm. carbon di- our tolerance to carbon dioxide has got terrible um okay now most people say well carbon dioxide is a waste of gas why did why why do we need that um but actually it's as important as oxygen to our 
ability to to sustain life. If we didn't have carbon dioxide, we would be fucked. We would not be able to live without carbon dioxide. Um, going to get slightly uh, technical, I guess. So blood has this stuff called hemoglobin, like a protein called hemoglobin. Just quick reminder that you're a medical professional. I am a nurse, yes. I'm not going to say a medical professional. That makes me sound ah. far too <laughs> professional, but yes, I am a nurse. <laughs> just, uh, just that you're not chatting utter, utter, utter bollocks. No, no, I'm actually, uh, <laughs> uh, I do kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, so you have okay. blood and in it, there's a protein called hemoglobin. Now hemoglobin is what oxygen travels around the blood on. So it's like the bus, if you like, the, your veins and arteries are your highways, your hemoglobin is your bus, your oxygen is your passenger. Now, if you didn't have carbon dioxide or you don't have enough carbon dioxide, that oxygen will not get off the bus. It will just keep going round and round and round and round and round and round. And you can see as you put a little sat probe on your finger and our oxygen saturations are 97, 98, 99%. Lovely job. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the blood is getting, the oxygen is getting out of the blood and into our muscles, into our brain, into our system that we actually need it. So when we exercise or when we do any kind of, I'm, I'm a good gesticulator, so any kind of waving of hands, any this creates the muscles to work and the byproduct of a muscle working is it creates carbon dioxide. Now that carbon dioxide then pushes off it pushes the um oxygen out of the hemoglobin and into the muscle that's just worked right, where it's needed where it's needed now if you didn't have it if you don't have enough carbon dioxide there isn't enough of a push to get the oxygen out of the hemoglobin and into the muscle or the brain oh, yeah. or whatever so because we've become so terrible at tolerating carbon dioxide and you can you know quickly check it really by um taking a breath in take a breath out hold the breath pitch your nose perhaps don't have to really exciting audio but you hold your breath and you see how long you can hold your breath for now if you're just sitting down not doing anything it's probably still you're going to be able to hold it for a reasonably long time but you should be able to hold that breath um for at least 40 seconds realistically is what you want to be able to do now most people i work with if they can get to 15 seconds or 20 seconds that's like really good going right so that means that their brain though in their neck in their brain stem in the arterial system basically there's these receptors which kind of go, whoa, 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 too much carbon dioxide. That's going to be bad for me if this level is too much. Let's get it off. And the only way you can get it off is to, to hyperventilate. And you might not even notice you hyperventilate. This is the, the strange thing about um, medicine. I'm going to say medicine because I do think it's that as well. Um, and just general like guidelines today is the actual, the normal breath rate is creeping up and up and up and up as to what is normal so i was reading a book i can't remember who it was it wasn't james nestor i don't think it was somebody else but they were saying how they were chatting to their father-in-law who was a pulmonologist so like in america like a respiratory doctor 
retired. Mm-hmm. And when he started, the med- the textbook said a normal breath rate should be between like 10 and 16. And they now say between like 16 and 20. Uh, 16 and 20 what? Uh, breaths a minute. Breaths a minute. Yeah. Right, okay. So what is now becoming normal isn't what is healthy. Yeah. So is that that's sort of like what more what's average rather than what's... What it should be. Like the, the goal. Yeah, but unfortunately the, the textbooks now, it's almost like they're changing to be what is average rather than what is we should be going for, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, okay. you know, and I know as a nurse, like, I'm pretty much certain that I was in 95% of all patients I ever looked after had a respiratory rate of 17, 18, 19, 20, which is too, it's too fast. Like really you should be able to comfortably breathe at six breaths a minute for a prolonged period of time, which is a third of what people are breathing at. And what, what's like the faster breathing doing then? So when like you, does it, it doesn't mean you're just getting too much oxygen. Is that what? Well, no, the problem is so the faster breathing is you, you can't, people think, well, I need to breathe faster and deeper because I need more oxygen because I feel short of breath. Like if we mm. go back to that oxygen probe again, you can be having an asthmatic attack. Your oxygen levels are still 98%. Yeah. The problem. Right, so that is that why the breathing into the bag thing when people are hyperventilating? <clears throat> exactly. So when you breathe into a bag, what do you do? You rebreathe in carbon dioxide. So when you rebreathe in carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide is a vasodilator, which means it opens blood vessels. Okay, so when you rebreathe carbon dioxide, it helps all the vessels to open, helps all the, the lungs to open. It basically puts you into more of a parasympathetic state. So it helps things relax and unwind. Um, and yeah, when you overbreathe, you're kind of getting this, I need to breathe harder and faster because I, I'm panicking. I've got this. And it's not to do with too little oxygen. It's to do with potential. It's probably being kicked off by your body's sense that there's too much carbon dioxide in your body. But actually, you're just really shit at tolerating carbon dioxide, <laughs> which one of the biggest things I have as a, you know, my job, career, life whatever hell it is is to you know i love this breathing stuff and it's to try to re-teach and educate people that so many conditions come down to an over-breathing situation i mean there's even like there's a whole thing and i'm not going to go into like the biochemistry of it because there's no need but basically when you over-breathe you end up having to buffer so if you keep blowing off carbon dioxide um you're body isn't you it shouldn't be doing this and essentially you end up creating bicarbonate which again we don't need to go into but then over time if you do this for a long period of like if you do it for your life if you do it from the age of 10 to 60 your body is then having to leach calcium out of your bones to bind the carbonate bicarbonate to help so you end up actually making your bones weaker by over breathing and osteoporosis and osteopenia can then come around from over-breathing. Wow. Which is like, boom, like mind-blowing, where you think, oh, well, I'm a fairly fit, healthy person, but why have I got osteoporosis? I kind of do this. And maybe you've just been mouth-breathing your whole life. Hmm. Because I I know I've seen you do loads of stuff on your Instagram about uh, 
like when you go for a run. Yeah. Because uh, I run quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm a big old mouth breather. Do you feel your, if you try and nose breathe, do you just fill your moustache full of snot? If you don't, you're uh, not doing it hard enough yet. <laughs> I mean, I when I try, because I like occasionally think about it and I'm like, I should do nose breathing now. And I just feel like I'm going to like, pass out. Die. So that again is your tolerance of carbon dioxide. That's your body going, no, 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 no. Too much carbon dioxide. Get it out of my system. So this okay. is where you then have to sack the ego off. And then you have to go for brisk-ish walks, uh, run slower, um, do like intervally type practice where you like run nasal breathing to, and you just build up. So you just like start nice and gently and you'd like, you know, run at a pace that you can nasal breathe at and just do that to begin with. And then perhaps you build up a little bit and you go a bit faster and then you begin, you can still breathe in through the nose and then out through the mouth and then slow it back down again and get to the stage where you can then comfortably breathe in and out through your nose. And you can play with, I mean, I use all sorts of tools and bits and pieces, but that's just, if you're still wanting to go out and exercise, that's probably one of the easiest, best ways to do it. So I guess, I mean, I guess that uh, why I've tried it and then like sacked it off is that I wanted that like nice intensity uh, in my running. Well, that's, and that's the thing. This, this is where I say the, like, the ego has to like, has to take a back step because yeah. you're <clears throat> for a month, two months, your times and your whatever else are going to be shit. They're going to be right, right down. But you are running inefficiently. So you're using so much more energy than you need to. You're burning. I'm sort of doing it to, to burn calories. So is that, yeah, is that a good actually, thing? <laughs> yeah, no, because no, actually, like the, this is the crazy thing. Now, this is, I'm just still getting my head around this. So I'm probably going to bastardize the, the physiology and stuff like that. But essentially, when you're, you're, when you're anaerobically exercising, so without the presence of oxygen, you're then burning the sugars in your muscle, the glycogen and stuff like that. When you're aero- aerobically breathing and the, the presence of oxygen is there, you're then burning fat rather than carbohydrates. So therefore, okay. you can then go longer, more efficiently, your recovery is quicker um, and like yeah you can just do more go further recover quicker um and you burn the fat rather than just the glycogen and the 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 stores that are in your in your tissues and stuff right okay so i'm just let me let me find this quote because i i copied it the other day i saw one of my uh teachers who uh mentioned it so am i getting the adaptation i want or am i just suffering better so this is where when you run, <clears throat> you, you, you get better at doing a distance or whatever else, but it's kind of just like shit and miserable. And you just kind of, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. yeah. But it's not like easy. It's not fluid. It's not like efficient. Um, if you can train the adaptation in your body to, um, and you might find that for a month you're, burning less calories because you're not maybe covering the same distance in the same speed or something. But within like a month or two, you would be flying around so much more efficiently, like, and you'd be burning a a much better fuel source. Um, So yeah, that'd be, 
I'd just say back off, slow it down, build it up. Cool. And you're like you're working with uh, proper athletes and stuff on this, aren't you? I am. Yeah. So I and are they are they all dirty mouth breathers as well? Like everyone's a dirty mouth breather. So yeah. So basically, they're all dirty mouth breathers. As soon as you give them any kind of stress, you give them like the smallest amount of exercise mouth drops open they all start huffing and puffing through their mouth as soon as you try and get them to close their mouth and like breathe their nose like they go bright red they're like really really struggling their like output so one of the lads I was working with at Ipswich Town the other day he was doing it and his output was like nearly a quarter less than what it normally is so normally he cycles at about like 120 revs per minute or whatever um yeah and then he was down to about 85, sort of 90, um, trying to no, nose breathe. So much, much harder in that stage. But now he's back up to like 110, 15, 20, all nasal breathing and just finding it easier and easier. So that's cool. like what sort of duration, uh, how long has he been practicing that? To uh, probably a month. Okay. So it's quite a, quite a quick turnaround. You, could, you can have a fairly reasonable like... Yeah, turnaround time. It, it doesn't have to be like, you know, it's not... Obviously, it depends on how much work you put in. <clears throat> you know, I spend my life mm. doing weird breathing stuff. So for me, my adaptations are... Uh, well, actually, they're quite slow at the moment, but I'm fairly high up there. Do you know what I mean? Like, one of the breath breathing at things, like I said, that 40 seconds, like, hold your breath thing, <clears throat> that's called a bolt score. And then there's another one called a, a carbon dioxide tolerance test, which kind of comes from free diving. Um, and you know, they say on that, that anything over like 80 seconds is like expert elite or whatever. And, you know, mine's Mm -hmm. 90, 95 seconds or something. So not meaning to show off, not meaning to show off, but (laughs) totally showing off. Um, but but but, you know, it's kind of one of those things that when you get to that level, you're, it's not like I'm going to suddenly be jumping up to 120 seconds, 130 seconds. Yeah. Whereas if you're a, you know, a 15 second CO2 tolerance, you've got huge, huge like gains to make. And actually, you know, 10 minutes work a day and you could really, really, you know, change so much, you know, and this kind of comes again back to how you sleep, you know, it'd be really interesting. Anyone who listens to this and same with you, like just pay attention to like, when you wake up in the morning, do you have a dry mouth? Have you had to wake up to have a drink of water? You know, do you need to get up in the middle of the night and have a pee? Um, <clears throat> all of these things, they're fairly reasonable signs that you're mouth breathing at night. And if you think you sleep for like eight to or seven to 10 hours a night, potentially, um, mm-hmm. pushing on the nine and a half for me, because I go to bed so early, um, <laughs> half past eight these days. Um oh. Oh, I know, what a maniac. Um, but tape, putting the putting tiniest little bit of tape, so like micropore tape, so surgical tape, tiny little bit of tape just across the lips. Um, it's just enough. It, it doesn't stop you coughing or like, you know, if you would, don't know why you would suddenly be sick in the night. But do you know what I mean? Like if you, when you're a kid, you can't do it to children because, you know, young kids, because if they do end up being sick or something, they can't. But as an adult, you have the reflexes that it doesn't matter. But it's only such a small bit of tape that it'll easily move. You can still actually breathe in through your mouth around it. But having the tape there just pulls your lips together. 
and your kind of just reminds your body to breathe through your nose. And I've used this so many times on people and they're all like, Oh my God, like after maybe two or three nights, cause the first couple, they always pull it off and you'll do it subconsciously. You'll just yeah. pull it off. Um, but after like two or three nights, maybe, you know, sometimes up to a week, they're just like change my sleep. Like, can't believe it. I'm sleeping so much better. I'm not, you know, my husband's not snoring since I've been like, taping his mouth shut and all that kind of, you know, they're the, they're the stories I get because you suddenly don't get this um, strong. Cause if you have your mouth shut and mouth open, if we go back to the start of the conversation, this recession of the jaw, if you just yeah. let your jaw hang open, it automatically like hangs down and back. It kind of falls down and back. So yeah. Then, you can feel it like yeah. closing it up. Yeah. So then again, it narrows the airway so then there's more turbulent air being drawn down in. Because, again, your tongue drops back as well. So, therefore, the, the air is trying to get around it. You end up with this snoring. You end up hating your husband or wife because they're snoring so loudly. Just take their mouth shut. Not in the... It sounds well, like such an aggressive uh, <laughs> solution, doesn't it? <laughs> it does when I say it like that. Just take their bloody mouth shut. Um, but, yeah, it, you can literally do it with, like, a tiny inch, inch and a half bit of you know charlie chaplin moustache sized um tape on the lips um and so right. yeah that's my uh, my thing for tonight then and yeah. i'd like to point out that even if you've got a moustache you can still do it because i've done it with massive beards and full-on moustaches and you can still do it so you just, just need to you just need to get up out of the way and then way. just yeah so right. well it's about time for a trim anyway <laughs> you know, so. um so yeah and what about um because I've been reading a little bit recently about sort of breathing for, for like mental health and uh, yeah, just sort of like anxiety and stuff like that. So yeah. Um, Again, I've kind of um, one of my yoga students on my little platform, she's a mental health nurse and she just sent me a message yesterday saying that she back in clinical roles and stuff and dealing with people phoning in with mental health crisis and stuff. And she's been using some of my breathing techniques, not my, they're not mine, but that I've been using in class. The ones you've taught. The ones I've been using her. And, you know, she said, she's just, these people are just ending up in like, you know, giggling with her on the phone and stuff like that. And, you know, they're, they phone up kind of overly, completely stressed out, hyperventilating. Um, She uses some of the breathing techniques and they just, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, they're, in a much better place they're much calmer and again this comes down to that idea of fight and flight um and rest and digest when we mouth breathe when we um hyperventilate when we just over breathe we push our nervous system into a um sympathetic dominance so sympathetic is fight and flight i know it sounds like it's quite caring and like should be should be the nicer one but actually it's um it's the comes from I don't know Latin or some crap I don't get but um <laughs> I can't speak Latin so um it's something to do with this, that anyway so the sympathetic nervous system um gets overdriven because of that so then you end up in this perpetual state and I kind of I did a an online breathing workshop a while back and I kind of drew out this little uh, flow sort of circular diagram thing and you might have had a really traumatic event in your life. So whatever it might have been, do you know what I mean? You could have, I don't know, might have been from your parents splitting up or 
abused as a kid or like you got beaten up at school or, you know, it could be whatever. And that might have been the thing which kind of stressed you out originally. And because it put you into this like fight and flight, upset, very emotional space, you ended up beginning to overbreathe and hyperventilate. And you never probably then relaxed afterwards. So if you never relaxed and you, pro- I mean, and I don't mean just like sit on the sofa and watch Netflix. I mean like relaxed, pointing at my dog there. But you know, if you watch, <laughs> if you if you look at an animal, they're like, ah, fun, 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 and then it's like nothing. It's like completely yeah. chilled, and that's where we are as humans. Again, this goes back to that worst breathers on the planet. Because we can't differentiate between fight and flight and rest and digest. And I mean, when I say we can't differentiate, like we can't automatically do it. We're we're so bad at automatically doing it. We're really lucky that we're basically the only mammals or any animals on the planet that can take control of it. So I can say to you, just begin to breathe in for a count of four, breathe out for a count of six. And you can deliberately begin to manipulate your, your autonomic automatic nervous system so it's not completely automatic but we're also terrible at just letting nature do its thing we hold on to things we go on to instagram we start tweeting about it we start like you know we keep retelling that story over and over again and we can never let our nervous system process it and so if that's the case then we end up with this traumatic event happening pushing us into a sympathetic space never being able to get over it this sympathetic space pushes us into breathing too fast this then means that we blow off carbon dioxide which then means that minimal exertion and by exertion i don't just mean physical even mental burns calories it like even just using your brain um like robert sapolsky i don't know if you've never heard of him he's a primatologist uh, pretty clever guy he reckon he says that like some chess masters will burn 6,000 calories in a tournament. Wow. Because the stress, you know, it's, they're still having to create energy, yeah. but it's all through their brain. Um, so even if you're in a stressful situation, you know, you're fed up with the cues in the shop or whatever it is, it puts you in, It you create this waste byproduct of carbon dioxide, which then puts you into this, oh my God, my, respond my um receptors are now saying there's too much because i've been over breathing for six months so therefore you know you kind of skip the original well, you don't even skip it but that original trauma has then when you start hyperventilating you almost kind of come back to it and you bring that story back into you so you can have this vicious cycle even though you might go and sort this issue out you go and talk about it with a therapist and all that kind of stuff and you deal with all of the, the stuff around it but because we're mm. terrible at like letting things go and really being able to just relax we can end up keep retelling the story until we begin to retrain ourselves to tolerate carbon dioxide better to not let our autonomic nervous system push us into a sympathetic fight and flight place really quickly and so by using breath work and you know during november i grew a pretty stellar um pencil tash um which by the way are really difficult they're really difficult to shave um but i also did some free breathing um like half hour 
breathing classes on Instagram uh, around the ideas of breathing and mental health. Now I'm not saying that breathing is like the, the savior of all mental health, but unless we kind of deal with psychology and physiology and we kind of try to not think that psychology is separate from physiology and and vice versa, we're never really going to like be able to solve the issues. And with such rampant cases of, um, you know, mental health issues these days, and such mm. rampant cases of, um, you know, overbreathing, poor, poor breath work, um, and you know, and, and I'm, it's, I'm making this potentially sound like it's, <clears throat> you know, a theory and whatever else, but it's really not. I mean, the 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 paper, there's numerous, numerous, numerous studies and researches and stuff on it. There's a guy called Justin Feinstein from, I don't think he's Stanford, somewhere in America he's looking at how um using carbon dioxide therapy so you give people with fear anxiety problems like like doses of high dose carbon dioxide like 35 percent right um and you basically you train their body to deal with this increased level of carbon dioxide like a big chunk of it and you go i think he's doing it so you kind of go back weekly or whatever and those high doses your body begins to retrain itself to cope with it and adapt to it over time and therefore and you know he's having amazing results even with some now was he i might be wrong here again um with quite who it is but there's i might even just be a historical but they used to use uh, like co2 treatment like that for things like schizophrenia schizophrenia and stuff like that as well okay Um, so yeah so there's a whole whole i mean and and there is so much research on it all as well so you can really like I mean, my life is diving into research papers and just trying to discover as much about it as I can and just grow my own knowledge. Because I think in a world where we're kind of the end the health services are all going to go bust because everyone's getting so unhealthy and they can't literally afford the, the costs. Everyone can do so much for their own health just by breathing better. Have you like, have you, is there some little exercises that people can do? Uh, like every day or something? The best one you can do, like straight off the bat, would be to learn to breathe nasal breathing. So we want to breathe nose breathing. We want to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my teachers, Patrick McEwen, Irish guy, um, he his, his little thing is LSD. Don't take LSD, kids. That's not what I'm saying. But it's to breathe light, slow, and deep. Now, most people, when you say a deep breath, they go, but that is neither light nor slow. So the idea being is you want to be able to breathe almost light enough that you can't feel the air coming into your lungs. Mm -hmm. And you want to breathe slow. So to begin with, perhaps about four seconds inhale. And deep, so we want to bring into the the ribs. So if you were to put your hands like on your low floating ribs, so if you if you're not sure what you mean by that, if you were to put your run your fingers down your sternum, down the breastbone, and then you were to find the, the where the ribs split, and you just follow them down to your flank to the sides of your body, that's kind of ready. oh yeah yeah, and then just try to breathe into your hands. And hopefully you'll feel your hands expanding sidewards. Yeah. Some people won't feel that because they can't actually move their rib cage because they haven't moved it for so long. But 
it just comes a practice. And again, it's just rewiring of the, the body. Um, so breathing in for four and out for six, going light, slow and deep. That is, for me, like as a starter, is probably the best thing you can probably do. From there, I guess if you wanted to build it up, and again, this is very dependent on you as a person and, you know, obviously if people come to see me, we kind of figure out exactly what their tolerance and stuff would be. But, you know, there's all sorts of ones that people talk about, like a, a simple box breath of breathing in for four, holding for four, exhaling for four, holding for four. And you could do, you know, five times of that. And I would just say, if you're going to try that and four seconds, if it makes you like panic, don't do four seconds, do three seconds. It's like pretty simple. Don't make yourself like worked up and anxious and panicky and like feel horrible because you've tried to do four seconds. Just drop the numbers, do three, 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 yeah. three, and just get, get good at that get good at breathing in for four and out for six. That whole sleep thing I talked about where um, we're taping the mouth and we're keeping the, the, the jaw forward so there's less turbulent air. If you make every breath you take, hello, Sting, um, slower, lighter, then again, there's less turbulence going over the back of the, the throat so less chance of snoring, less chance of divorce from snoring. <laughs> nice. I did one of your your yoga classes. Yes. Uh, and it started with a, a bit of box breathing. Mm-hmm. And I found a thing like when I did my exhale, nice long exhale, I found I kind of got a little bit stuck. Yeah, like almost like your diaphragm uh, like gets stuck into you. Uh, no, no, hang on. It was when, no, I breathed, when I breathed in and then held it. To like breathe out again, I almost had to breathe in a little bit to like free it up. It really confused me. <laughs> so again, that's going to be kind of a diaphragmatic control issue. So again, it's more the mechanics of your um, your breath. And that does kind of tend to happen as you get better again. So that kind of happens to me, but, you know, mine would be at kind of doing 15 second in, 45 second hold type thing. And then when I go to exhale, it's almost like, there is you've almost got to to move the glottis get the diaphragm to move a little bit um and so the better you get at kind of controlling all the musculature throughout it gets less and less but then when you your numbers creep up it kind of comes back yes you're you're sort of doing the more intense thing it it comes back again yeah yeah bad technique on a snowboard exactly like that exactly let's take it to something steeper Um, wicked. Um, so you are putting all of this breathing stuff into what many would probably call like the most extreme practice of freediving. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey there, I'm Mick from the Mick and Pat show. That's right. And I'm Pat looking for a podcast. That's like catching up with old friends. Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at The Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts. 
I have done, yes. My plan is definitely to go and do some more this year. Um, I went and spent 10 days freediving in September um, out in Cyprus. And it was incredible. I mean, the photos looked unbelievable. It's, it's, and I'm sure like anyone thinking about this is probably going like, oh, that's probably quite panic-inducing. There's a lot of people do think that. And I, I, you know, I put a lot of these photos on social media and a lot of people were just like, oh my God, no, oh, that's not a hope. Um, and the weird thing is, and you know, again, this is, I'd, I'd like to think it comes back to the yoga, but like just no ego of like, doesn't matter how deep or whatever you go. But um, it's actually, pro- for me, it's probably the most relaxing thing, like the most like meditative, mind clearing, mindful practice you can ever do because you, you really don't have another choice. Like yeah. if you've got, Oh man, what am I going to have for tea tonight? Oh God, like <laughs> uh, Jeff's supposed to be coming around. I don't like Jeff uh, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like if your mind is busy, you're using more energy to think. Um, mm, if you're playing chess, if you're playing chess, you're burning 6,000 calories. You're not going to get very far with free diving. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. So it's kind of like most people are like, no way, not a hope. And you know, I dived to just shy of 25 meters which is what, 75 feet ish, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty, pretty long. It's kind of, I'm not sure how long that's a football twice pitch is. the length of my boat. Yeah. That's, and that's down. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, um, and it's, yeah, it's just, it's this kind of cool, like mind game because your brain begins to, that, so if you, when you do any of these breathing exercises, so if you were to do, let's say breathe in for, five hold your breath for 10 and exhale for 10 or something like that let's say you might begin to feel like this oh my god i need to breathe sensation and then your body kind of does that when you're underwater at like 15 meters or for me you know as i was doing it it was like 15 17 18 20 22 and you kind of get to the stage and your body goes no 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 turn around no and then in my head, but I'm kind of going in my head, it's like, I know I can hold my breath long this because I've only been holding my breath for 25 seconds or something. Now, you yeah. know, I can, I'll hold my breath for, third, for three, three and a half minutes. So I know it's not a time thing, but at the same time, man, your body proper shits the bed and it's like, nope, turn around. And then I was finding as soon as I'd flip, so I'd be rather than head down, head up, my brain and my body goes, ah, no, I'm all right, actually. Nah. We'll go to the surface because we've already spent loads of energy turning around. But yeah, no, I probably could have gone further. Um, so you kind of get this really cool, like, little mind game of uh, of dealing with the state and the panic that that breath gives you. Which is why you know I've kind of if you if anyone wants to look, I've got numerous videos up on my Instagram page which kind of go into depth about some exercises you can do when you're walking to increase your CO two tolerance but you kind of get this real like, Oh my God, I need to breathe. Um, and I like doing them on land because it's kind of like it train. It's just training me for when I'm underwater, I can go, no, no, I can go, you know, I can easily go another few steps. Actually. It's just more, my brain is kind of wanting to kind of alert me to the fact that oxygen, like carbon dioxide is rising. It's not necessarily a fact of like oxygen's running out. Like I said earlier, it's not the fact that oxygen levels yeah. are going down, just carbon dioxide levels are going up. Obviously those free divers who are diving to 90, 100, 
you know, 150 meters, um, those guys are going to be getting hypoxic. Those guys are going to be running out of oxygen. Um, right. But diving so that, to the, you're sort of getting into a different, a different thing there to do. Oh that. yeah. I mean, those guys, once, once you've been underwater for like, I don't know, I'm not, I, I don't know numbers, but you know, if you were, if you're diving to those kind of depths for one, there's a massive increase in nitrogens beginning to happen. Um, so you'd have to like then decompress or, you know, go and breathe some, um, canned, uh, oxygen and stuff to get the nitrogen out. But, um, yeah, by the time you've been, if you're holding your breath for that long, that increase in, in carbon dioxide is again, pulling is allowing that oxygen to be pulled out of the blood into the tissues now if that's happening you the amount of oxygen you've got in your blood is just diving pretty yeah. quick um and then once it gets below about 50 that's when you're kind of likely to pass out um but you don't you don't right. get a you don't get a, a a little kick to say i'm going to pass out you just pass out which is the funny thing about which is the funny thing about the body we kind of worry about the amount of oxygen we've got but too much carbon dioxide makes you panic so you kind of go i'm gonna i'm gonna die i need some more air and then actually you um that's too much carbon dioxide too little oxygen you just pass out it's just really quite serene yeah basically it's real sleepy time so it's kind of this kind of weird thing of you kind of think you're going to die because you're running out of oxygen but actually you're just too much carbon dioxide and then flip side (laughs) you just literally pass out um, so this is while well, we've been talking. This has just like cleared something up in my head. Uh, so I used to swim all the time as a kid, mm-hmm. uh, and you know would be super happy jumping off stuff and you know splashing around. Uh, that's a good description of swimming. And then <laughs> when I were I st- stopped swimming, and then when I was probably mid twenties, I went and jumped off some cliffs, and I remember like the utter panic at being underwater and that fear that you're you're saying yeah uh and i thought i must have developed a fear of water or a fear of swimming and now it's all making sense that i've just you know for that time i'd spent probably six seven years working in an office and just been like not like I guess degrading my my bill my CO two tolerance. Yeah, basically. So that's actually the thing. And I, since then, I've tried to do regular swimming, and would always get like caught up with like the fear of not being able to breathe. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and that that panic. Like so that's actually, I just, just need to work so on my tolerance. Yeah, and swimming is a great way to do it because you can end up doing like intervals of how many strokes between breaths so Mm. you know a comfortable one is probably like two or perhaps four you know strokes between every breath you take depending on what you're doing sting again um and then um but you could then try a thing or two didn't he he he? (laughs) a thing or two um and then you could perhaps try and do a length of six strokes between each breath and then you know this is going to be going to make you really have to work with the amount of carbon dioxide and the amount of oxygen which is in you um yeah going around in your system that's definitely what i wasn't doing because i i noticed that there was a a connection between like as i was getting tired so like if i used to go to the olympic pool mm-hmm. which is bloody long <laughs> uh, 50 meters it was my local pool yeah 
And by the end of that, because I wasn't very good at swimming, by the end of that length, I was like tired. And at that point, when I was tired and then trying to hold my breath, that yeah. was when the real panic kicked in. And then I, yeah. Yeah. So again, if we go back to where we started and then like, if it, I mean, it's much harder when you're swimming, you can't, you can't nose breathe when you're swimming, you'll tr- choke yeah. and drown. Um, but you can still like the more efficient you are with your movement. So the biomechanics of the actual swimming, um, the more efficient you are with the ability to breathe and to find a really, um, yeah, good technique of like breathe, swim, breathe, then you're obviously going to burn a lot less energy. So therefore you'll be able to go further. Um, and then again, that's CO2 tolerance. Again, it's just driving, you know, the more you're splashing around, as you, as you said, um, the more splashing around you do, the more the CO2 goes up, the more the panic sets in, the, the harder it then becomes, which is why yeah. with free diving, it's all about like as, as tidier, smoother, like mm. swim as possible. So you, you, you know, you, you pretty much move your hips, and nothing else. So you burn as little carbon dioxide. So you, you get that CO2 rising as little as possible. And you've got those sexy old fins on. Oh yeah. And, uh, you, you looked great. What that night when I went into the swimming pool, where my little, where my James Bond speedos. Yeah, that is a video. <laughs> yeah. That I will treasure. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ah, nice one, Wibs. I love that guy. Um, So I wanted to second the recommendation of Breath by James Nestor. It's very, very good. I'm about halfway through that now. Um, And also I wanted to tell you a little bit about how I have taken Wibs' advice on board. Um, So I started every morning doing 20 minutes of square breathing. So that is I'd breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds breathe out for four seconds, hold for four seconds. And then I've been slowly building this up. Within a week, my anxiety had gone from what I would describe as an eight out of 10 uh, down to about a four out of 10. And it's it's dropped further subsequently. I mean, obviously, it's difficult to know, especially at these times, what is the true cause of the anxiety? Um, There's a lot going on. But I feel like this breath work has definitely helped. I also noticed that as soon as I put on a face mask to go into a supermarket, I resorted to mouth breathing. And suddenly I was very, very conscious of that. 
And I'd been struggling a little bit every time I went to the supermarket of getting anxiety and finding it very difficult. So to clock that my breathing had changed when I got in there, I don't know if it's cause or effect, but certainly now when I put the face mask on, I think to myself, right, nose breathing. Uh, and it seems to help. Um, what else have I been doing? Oh, yes. So I cycle to work every day. And so the day after I spoke to Wibs, I tried cycling in just breathing through my nose. At first it was, I mean, there's about three or four hills on my route and half of the hills I could get up nose breathing. But yeah, there was a couple that were just too much for me and I had to resort to like taking in a big gasp. After two weeks, I could do the whole ride, but a little bit slower. And now I'm back to normal pace. I have also got used to being a snot machine. It is. <laughs> it's hard to uh, really prepare yourself for just how much breathing just out of your nose is going to make you a snot machine. What else? Oh, yeah. So I also did try taping my mouth at night um, and actually found that it seems like I only mouth breathe when I'm active. Apparently, I only snore when I'm ill. But talking to others about this, it seems like the it's the number one way to, to really change your breathing patterns. All in all, I'm a big believer in the way that this nose breathing has really, um, really helping me out. So I would recommend that people, uh, people get on it. Maybe start with the, the James Nestor book and then, um, and then work from there. Okay, so that's pretty much all for today. If it's your first time here, subscribe and listen to the other episodes. If you go to the Building Sustainability Podcast website, buildingsustainabilitypodcast.com, uh, then you can see all the other episodes and you can group them by, by topic so that if you like the, the self-sustainability ones, you can listen to more of those. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, so as promised, here is Mr. Mike Bite-Hill, a.k.a. Terabyte MC. He is closing the episode with a tune called Remember to Breathe. Seems fitting, doesn't it? Uh, there'll be a link to his work in the show notes. And here's Mike to introduce the track. Hi, everybody. My name's Mike Hill, aka Terabyte MC. And I am a player and maker of music and a developing builder uh, using predominantly natural materials. In fact, I am one of Jeffrey's past students. Uh, you're going to be hearing shortly a new track by me. It's called Remember to Breathe. So obviously that is fitting for today's podcast. Speaking of the podcast, big up to building sustainability all day, every day. And big ups to its creator, Jeffrey, one of my very good friends. Um, hope you're doing well, Jeffrey, and sending all of the love to the listeners to this podcast as well. I hope you're all keeping all right. And uh, here's looking forward to a more open and uh, hopefully a more connected summer. Um, sending all the love in the world, and I hope you enjoy the track. Take care.
bust the fattest rap to smash it like it smashes the tracks. Relax and jump into the fattest stack of madness. Who planned this? It's randomly happened. I never thought resorted to rapping was something that was really happened. But happened it has. I happen to have the most happening type of rapping that you've happened over. It's anti gravity. What's happening? I know we'll have you happy. You're clapping when feet and legs are flapping from the lacking of the forces. The forces to stop still for what your float is for. The boat is called. The boat is remotely flawed. You've soaked the walls. The worst of all, you fit no doors for what you're gonna do and who you're gonna call when the fellas go crawling. Come crawling, they called it exhaustion. Yeah. My mind's been fine, you carry warnings and cautions. Of course, yeah. and it's flawless. Yeah. I'm genuinely yeah. awesome. Yeah. Got to remember to breathe. Got to remember to remember to breathe. Got to remember to breathe. Got to remember to remember to With the very biggest footsteps marching, recharging with fully charged bar charming. Disarming the charming, so no alarm remaining calm and in the northern fashion, ration remaining sweats of sweaty palms. Getting involved with soul with psalms and only do you harm. So take from me to use to eat the calm, resolve the charms. Armed with early set alarms, are gonna beat that faster birds, punch the early worm, I'm really good to do it harm. From the streets to the field to the farm, find me sitting with my mission in my palm. It's a old tradition, people sitting round the fire, there's some words are written, then rehearsing, then they serve about the kitchen, which is this. This straight sick kid Listed and write this I'd like to enlist him Shit It's just a flowing through the dome thing Sitting off a home alone Don't flow thing Got to remember to breathe Got to remember to make But to remember to breathe Got 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 to remember to breathe Breathing becomes unnecessary, too heavy to aspire For my entire life I've admired when I should have been inspired So now higher I desire to keep firing Applying a fire, burn the motherfucking entire lens Let's flow, no one never let go, let's go This next flows, another level, no day, no Say no to payloads with way loads of payloads They fail though to say so, the way go my way So say no, unless it's a yes Then the rest of suggestions are coming from your best sense That's when action will actually happen To bring satisfaction, relaxing is fashion Life flashing through my lashes And that last breath was everlasting Like a passion rapping We slap words in the verse and rehearse them It's for certain we serve the verbs with the herb crumb Our mates are safer than safety We basically need fatness like pastry mainly We make dreams from now We proudly stand out from the crowd as a gadabout Our mates are safer than safety We basically need fatness like pastry mainly We make dreams from now We proudly stand out from the crowd as a gadabout Got to remember to breathe Got to remember to make But to remember to breathe Got 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 to remember to remember to breathe Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 